Cause there's a difference you can make But the choice is up to you Will you be the one to answer to his call? And will you stand when those around you fall? Will you be the one to take his light into a darkened world? Tell me, will you be? Let's take our Bibles today. Turn over the book of Ephesians, <clears throat> Ephesians chapter 2 today. Ephesians chapter 2. We've been uh, in a series on Sunday nights, and um, it's entitled Three Biblical Realities That Yield Hope to Every Believer. And um, tonight, of course, we have our Second uh, um, Timothy two two night and First uh, Timothy two two was it second? I thought so. Okay, good. I wasn't sure if the teens changed the Bible on me or not. I wasn't sure what was going on there, but Second Timothy two two, and <clears throat> we got that night tonight. And so we're not going to get to this. So I decided to share this this morning. 
And uh, I think that it'll be appropriate. I think it'll be helpful and encouraging to each and every one of you as we conclude this series. It was just a mini-series of three, three weeks. It wasn't very long. But um, in Ephesians chapter 2, we're going to begin reading in verse 8. I want to read through um, verse <clears throat> 13, and then we'll go from there. The Bible says, For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. Wherefore remember that ye being in time past Gentiles in the flesh, who are called uncircumcision by that which is called the circumcision in the flesh, made by hands, that at that time ye were without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel, strangers from the covenant, covenants of promise, having no hope, and without God in the world. But now in Christ Jesus, you sometimes were far off, <clears throat> are made nigh by the blood of Christ. <clears throat> now, I'm going to have to share this um, because I, I can't get it out of my head. Just hold on a second. If I don't do this, I'll mess it all up because I'm not a good joke teller. But it's on my mind. I shared this in singles class, and I, I just have to share it. I can't, I can't go anywhere. I'm reading that and thinking about this. So I've got to get it off my heart. <clears throat> anyway, there's this farmer. And uh, he goes in, and Farmer John, he's going to go ahead and milk his cows. And so he gets the cow set up and everything, and he starts to, uh, starts to milk the cow and and uh, all of a sudden, this fly comes in, starts just buzzing around his head and the cow's head and kind of driving him crazy. And he kind of loses track of it. And all of a sudden, he hears it buzz by his head again. And it, it flies in and it sits right on the ear of that cow and just kind of makes its way right on into the ear of that cow. John didn't think anything of it at the time. Then all of a sudden, that, that fly didn't squirt it out. When he was milking that cow. And it kind of freaked him out. And he thought to himself, it went in one ear and out the other. <laughs> it went in one ear and out the other. Okay. Oh, moo. Did you say moo or boo? I don't know which that was. Moo. Okay. All right. I'm sure it wasn't boo. Okay. Again, verse 12 says <laughs> that at that time ye were without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers from the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. Boy, what a powerful, powerful verse that is. At that time, ye were without Christ. It goes on ultimately to say that in this case, they're having no hope and without God in the world. The reason they had no hope they were without God in this world. And sadly enough, in our world today, it seems that we're more godless than ever. And if that is indeed the truth, then the reality is, is that we are more hopeless than ever. Because where God is not, there is only hopelessness. And we live in a world today where it seems that God is being removed, where He's being put on the back burner, if even at best the back burner. But sadly, the Bible teaches us and reminds us always that without God, we are without hope. It doesn't matter how big our houses are. It doesn't matter how nice our cars are. It doesn't matter how big the bank account or how, how, how good the job is or how secure the family seems. The reality is, is that if we are without God in this world, we are without hope. 
Over the past couple of weeks, we've been discussing this particular passage, and we noted a couple of things and reasons why we have hope as believers. We talked about the faithful hand of God. We said that we have hope because of the faithful hand of God, that God keeps His Word, He provides escape, and He prospers our endeavors. We also said that we have hope as believers because of the fruitful harvest of souls. Well, it doesn't end with us. It continues. I mean, God's good to provide for us, yes, and He's wonderful. He has a wonderful promise of power, and He he gives us fruit for our labors. And this week, of course, we want to note one more reality that offers hope to us. Again, we're in Christ because we have God, because we have the Lord Jesus Christ. We have hope. But more specifically, why would we have hope? Well, today I want to talk about the future hope of man. We have hope because of the future hope of man. We have a future today. We have a future. We have something to look forward to. You know, one of the greatest reasons we have hope is due to our Lord's wonderful track record. He's got a pretty good track record. If you search his past, if you look into his record book, you're going to see that he fulfills his promises, that he does exactly what he says. In Romans chapter 15, verse 4, the Bible says, For whatsoever things were written aforetime were written for our learning, that we through patience and comfort of the Scriptures might have hope. So what he's saying is, as we take this blessed book, the Word of God, and we begin to read it, we begin to study it, we look through its pages, and from those pages comes hope. Why? Because we see God in His actions. We recognize God and His help and His hope in the past. We see how He aided the Israelites as they came out of Egypt. We know how He helped them cross the Red Sea. We see how He provided the man in the wilderness. We know God's actions and we see His deeds and we see His faithfulness. We have hope. His past record. And that record of past victories in the lives of the saints amid great opposition personal conflict and extreme circumstances is an ever-present reminder to you and I today that God is able to deliver us. To the most dejected, the most discouraged, and the most doubtful believer, hope is extended. And not only do we have hope in this life, but we have hope in the next. We can confidently claim victory today. We can claim victory because of the past. And we can claim victory because of the present book and the Word of God that we have. We have God's record of faithfulness to both His people and honestly, if we'd be honest, His record in our own lives. But again, our hope is not limited to just today or this life. It's the future as well. It extends past the boundaries of the present and right on into eternity itself. Look, if you will, in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 19. In 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 19 and 20, we read, If in this life only, if in this life only we have hope in Christ, we are of all men most miserable. But now in Christ, but now is Christ risen from the dead and become the first fruits of them that slept. Again, if, if, if all we have is hope in Christ, right now, where we sit, where we stand, so to speak, if only in this life we have hope, 
then we are of all men, he says, most miserable. If this is where it ended, if this is all there is, <laughs> this is miserable. Now, it's good to have hope in life today. It's important that you have hope. The truth is, people that have no hope do not desire to live. Many of them choose to even take their lives. It seems like an epidemic in our country. And unfortunately, it is an epidemic among our youth more than anyone else, it seems. And it is sad. And may I say that is just a testament to the reality that Christ must be given. We must reach this generation with the, the Lord Jesus Christ. Education is not the answer, obviously. Money and success financially is not, is not the answer. The answer is Him, Jesus Christ. Those are all good things and they are needed things and we must work as a society and a culture to provide those kind of things that help to make us better citizens. I am all for those things, but I am, a, I am not for excluding God in the midst of it all. We've got to incorporate God because He, without God, there is no hope. The Bible guarantees us life beyond the grave. It says that even as Christ rose from the dead, so will we. Look, if you will, in 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 3. Go to the right. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 3. In 1 Peter 1, 3, we read, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, which according to his abundant mercy hath begotten us again unto a lively hope by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Well, we are a people with great hope in this life and in the next. Because we, because we possess such great hope, it's understood that others are going to be curious as to how or why we have this hope. So the truth is, is that God instructs us then. He goes on in the Word of God to instruct us. Be prepared to give an answer of the hope that's in you, he says. Over in the book of 1 Peter 3.15, But sanctify the Lord God in your hearts, and be ready always to give an answer to every man that asketh you a reason of the hope that is in you with meekness and fear. The, the, uh, the, the, the idea is that as believers, there ought to be a, uh, a hope in us that's visible and seen that's experienced in not only our lives, but then ultimately in the outworking of our life. People ought to look at us and say, wow, how is it that in the midst of this environment, this culture, this society, how is it that in the midst of all this turmoil and all this difficulty and all these hard times that we face, how is it that you, of all people, can have hope? Especially if you're in a job that seems to be a dead-end job to, in your mind or to, in their mind. Maybe you don't make the amount of money that some would like to make. Or you don't have the things that the world says bring success and ultimately offers happiness. And you look at your life and they look at your life and you say, I don't care what I own. What I care is what I have. And that's Jesus Christ in my heart. And I have hope today. And boy, they look at your life and they say, wow, there's something unique about that guy. There's something different about that gal. There's something unique about them. They are so different. What makes the difference in your life? Now, that's where we need an answer. And the answer is none other than Jesus Christ. You know, many faiths and religions claim to offer hope for the future. 
They do. But let me ask a question. How can a faith founded by a man who's dead provide its followers with hope of everlasting life? If the founder was powerless over the grave, then surely his or her followers will be powerless as well. We have a founder who is God. We have a founder who created all things. We have a founder who came to this earth, lived a sinless, perfect life, was falsely accused and ultimately hung on a cross for the sins of the world, not his own. And yet when he was buried three days, he rose again. As believers in Jesus Christ, we have great hope today. I went and sat down at McDonald's this morning. (laughs) I I went and got up and ran down there and I decided to work on some things there instead of come to the office. Sometimes in my office there's so many things on the desk I get kind of sidetracked to things I need to do. And I thought I'm just going to sit there and I'm going to actually eat it. I had a buy one, get one free breakfast sandwich. That was some incentive right there. And so I got that, and I got me a nice glass of water because I didn't want anything to mess my throat up this morning. And I went ahead and sat down at that table, and I started, pulled out all my notes, and I started working on some things. You say, how can you concentrate there? Man, trust me, it was hard this morning. They had that TV on, and they were playing some channel. You know what they were talking about? The candidates. Oh, man, what a mess. I mean, all of them. I'm just like, you've got to be kidding me. I can't concentrate here. They're talking about Trump. They're talking about Hillary. They're talking about, oh, I'm just like, oh, please, this is ridiculous. Hope? You serious? Hope? You know what I mean? I'm thinking, wow. And here I am trying to prepare. Let me tell you something. I'm glad that that's not what my hope lies in today. Oh, man, we may have a responsibility to vote, and we as citizens of the United States have the privilege of being a part of the process. But may I say, listen, I am a citizen of heaven first, and I am on the road to heaven. I'm headed to heaven, and I got God as my Father. Listen, I'm not trusting no politician, and I'm not trusting no economic strategy, and I'm not trusting even some issue with illegal aliens. I am trusting in the one and only Jesus Christ. We have hope today. Great hope. Well, it doesn't matter what's going on around us. And listen, I, I want to encourage you today. Make sure you get your eyes off of the people of the world and get your eyes on the person, Jesus Christ. Yes, there's issues and things that we have to face and deal with. But my, we have hope as believers, both in this life and the next. Let me give you just a couple of areas. And we're going to move quickly because of time. But... Why do we as children of the Lord Jesus Christ have hope in this life and the future? Well, number one, we have great hope as we look forward to the very presence of God. Looking forward to the very presence of God. As we look forward to the presence of God, we look forward to it in death. I know that sounds kind of funny, but it is a reality. Do you realize that when you die... You see Him? That's hopeful to me. That's pretty hopeful. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 16, please. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 16. 
We're not going to necessarily finish this, but we'll just do what we can and get through as much as we can. But I want you to see this. This is so good, even in death. I mean, we are going to see Him face to face. We're going to be in His very presence. In 1 Corinthians 3.16, Know ye not that ye are the temple of God, and that the Spirit of God dwelleth in you? Notice again that we're the temple of God. This, This body houses the Spirit of God. And this body houses the soul of man. Literally, this is a tabernacle, the Bible calls it. We literally house our soul. This is just a house then. What you see and what I feel today is a house. And it houses me, my soul, the who I am, the what I really am. Look, if you will, in 2 Corinthians now, chapter 5. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 6. Therefore we are always confident, the Apostle Paul says, knowing that whilst we are at home in the body, we are absent from the Lord. For we walk by faith, not by sight. We are confident, I say, and willing rather, to be absent from the body, and to be present with the Lord. You say, what's he saying? Well, the believer in Christ is blessed to know that the very moment that he or she closes their eyes in death, the very moment that that soul departs from their body and life leaves their body. I'm not talking about simply when you're on the table and they've got that monitor on and it goes... That's not necessarily death. You say, how do you know that? It's appointed unto man once to die, but after this, the judgment. So somebody said, 30 seconds, you were dead, and you came back to life. Well, you obviously, your soul never left. You only die once. Now, again, there are exceptions in the Word of God. There are a few exceptions. I understand that. We we, we know that that, uh, Enoch was taken. He never died, though. He's going to come back and die during the tribulation period, possibly. We'll see if he's one of those. Some have said he might be one of the two witnesses. I don't know. I think Elijah and Moses will be. But nonetheless, we see that we die once. So here's the point, though. Once that soul leaves this body, you know where it goes? To be with him. Immediately. When you close your eyes in death, When you finally not just stop breathing, but that soul departs from your body and leaves that house. You are immediately in the presence of the Lord. He says, for he says, we are confident, I say, and willing rather to be absent from the body and to be present with the Lord. The apostle says, as believers, we are either in this old rickety house or we are in the very presence of him. I don't know about you, but that ought to offer hope to us today. When a loved one, a family member, or a friend dies, if indeed they know Christ is their Savior, then they are immediately united with Christ. I'm going to say something that may not sit well. I am convinced that one of the reasons why we, are, why we struggle with death so much as believers 
is because our relationship with the Lord is not as close as we think. We're not as close to the Lord as we think. Can, can I, can I, I'm going to, this, this is going to sound hard. I'm going to say it because I want you to think about it. I'm not, I'm not telling you what to think. I'm not going to tell you what to believe. I'm going to tell you, think about this for a minute. Everything in the Bible indicates that a believer's greatest hope is the return of Christ, seeing him face to face. It's our blessed hope, according to Titus. Or when we die, we are in the very presence of it to be absent from the body, to be present with the Lord. Everything seems to indicate that the believer's heartthrob, the believer's passion, the believer's desire, greatest desire in death is to see who? The Lord. But what is it that we hear more than anything else when a believer dies? Here it is. Don't miss this. Well, he or she is finally with their husband or wife. Hold on now. Don't misunderstand what I'm trying to say here. Don't don't misunderstand what I'm saying here. The last time you and I read that book, you know who I ought to be most in love with and who you ought to be most in love with of anyone or anything in this world? It ought to be who? You know why I think we struggle with death so much? Because he's not our first love. I'm not saying I got it figured out. I'm just saying that when our hope is in him only, then all of a sudden we're going to be able to say things like, Man, he's finally with his Lord. She's finally with her Lord. And loved ones, wife or husband, instead of the other way around. I don't want to fear death. But the only way we're going to get to the place where we can face death without fear is when we face him daily. And he is so real to us that literally death in our minds is simply a doorway into his arms. Now listen, I I know that sounds crazy. You say, well, nobody knows what it's like. We don't have to know what it's like. We just have to know who we're going to see and whose presence we're going to be in. That's what offers us such great hope is him. And I want you just to think about that even through the week. Who's your greatest love? He says, love the Lord thy God with all thy heart. It leaves room for others. He leaves room for others. But not others ahead of him. And I want to encourage you. Boy, in death, you and I have hope. It was horrible today. And I'm not going to get to anything else today. But it was horrible today in class. So one of our singles pointed out a, that he'd gone to school with a young man that is only 19 now. He'd been having some problems. Uh, I don't want to go into the details because somebody in here will go, man, that must be what I've got. You know, don't ever get on the Internet if you've got a pain. <laughs> you definitely have cancer and you're dying in a month. 
But this particular young man had a situation where he had some problems and it wasn't anything out of the ordinary. It was just kind of things that happened. And next thing you know, it's like he finally goes to the doctors and they find out that he has cancer in his nose and he has a tumor on his brain. 19 years old. Bible college student. What do you say to a 19-year-old that has cancer in, in his nasal passages and a tumor on his brain? What do you tell him to bring him comfort? What do you tell him when they say things like, well, it's a good chance it's through your entire brain and possibly even in other organs now? It just was missed. How do you, what do you, what brings that young man comfort? I'm going to tell you something. The only one that can truly bring him comfort is Jesus Christ. His relationship, if it is not, I mean, right, if he doesn't have the heartbeat of God, he doesn't have the ear of God, if he isn't seeing Christ, I'm telling you, there's not one thing you or I can say to him to bring him comfort. I wonder today, are you ready if that would be your diagnosis? Oh, I shudder to think it be mine. And sometimes I look at my life and I say, Lord, I'm not what I ought to be. And one of the proofs in my mind is simply sometimes I think about death and I think, man, I don't know about that. Well, why don't I know about I understand I've got grandbabies now coming along and I've got children. And, but, but, but let's take that out of the way even. Some of you young people, you've got families, and obviously that would be a horrible thing. I understand that. And I, I know why you wouldn't want to go and I know why you want to stay. And I have reasons I want to stay too. But if it was really just that bad and we knew there was no hope and all was going to be is suffering from here on, <clears throat> I'd like to think I'd be like, Lord, I give up. Let's go. I would. I, I'm tapping out. <laughs> Let me just go, Lord. Hey, I know where I'm going. I've got it settled in. And I, I, I've enjoyed your presence on earth. I can't even imagine what it's going to be like when I die. Isn't that what we want? It begins with a relationship. One, a relationship with Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord. And then it's a walk with God every single day. Not just when it's convenient, but consistently and daily. Where are you at today with that? You can put these messages together and outlines together and all that stuff. But when it's all said and done, it's just about me and Him. And when it's all said and done, it's still just about you and him. Oh, the Sunday school class is wonderful and getting an opportunity to go soul winning and be involved in the ministry. And boy, we'll have a tug of war this afternoon with the buses and that's great. But listen, Henry Diamond sat right over there just a few weeks ago. He was older. Some of us go, well, he was old, so it was easy for him. Uh, Henry thought he was just a kid still in his head. 
It was like yesterday he was running around playing ball and with the kids in the neighborhood. Life goes just like that. But you want to know Henry was on his, a bed in the hospital and Henry knew things were getting toward the end. You know, Henry didn't care about the Indians. He, he wasn't really interested in talking about the Browns. Henry wasn't extremely concerned about what clothes he was going to put on or how big his house was. You know what Henry wanted to talk about? He wanted to talk about eternity. He wanted to talk about Jesus Christ. The one thing he was most concerned about was his soul. I wonder, how how you doing there? Let's make the soul the priority. Let's really work on that one and that relationship that we have with him. Do you know him as Savior and Lord? Have you settled your soul's salvation? Do you know for sure that Jesus is your Lord and Savior and that if you closed your eyes in death, heaven would be your home? Number two, if you know that already, who's your first love today? Is it him? That's a tough one. But that's exactly what and who ought to be number one. Let's work at allowing him to have preeminence in our life. Allow him to be number one in our heart, our life. Let's put everyone and everything else around Fit them around Him, not fit Him around everything else. Make Him number one. And I believe this with all my heart. If we will do our very best, and I've seen evidence of it in the folks at Community Baptist Temple who have surrendered their life and have given their heart to Jesus, who have lived often years on His behalf, they will take their place and say, Preacher, I want to go. I want to go. And God gives them the grace. And they leave with a smile on their face and without regret. God help us to be that kind of believer today. That saturated, that surrendered, and that simple-minded that Christ alone is enough. Boy, God help us. Father, we come to you.